Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings in chapter number 4. As we continue to go through the life and ministry of King Solomon, we want to see as now King Solomon has already dedicated the temple to the Lord, has already been starting his kingdom well, has been known for his wisdom. Now we're going to see as he's going to explain and teach his wisdom to others. And we start off in the book of 1 Kings chapter number 4. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 4. The book of 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 32 says this, 1 Kings 4.32, and he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. And so if you don't mind, notice that phrase of 3,000 proverbs. And with this, we're going to cover a survey of the book of Proverbs, a survey of the book of Proverbs. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your Bible and tonight to be able to take an entire book and to learn more about it. Help us to fall in love with the book, understanding what its purpose is, what it does, and how it can be used inside of our life. We're asking that we would fall more in love with the entire Bible and look for the wisdom that you offer to give to us. I'm asking that you would fill me with your spirit and guide and direct, put things in order that we could see you high, holy, and lifted up. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. The English word proverb, as we start doing a survey of proverbs, the English word proverb means a brief saying instead of many words. Some of us could use more proverbs. A brief saying instead of many words. Basically, it's been able to get a complete thought across just using a, a little statement, something that you could bring across that you can memorize that could be a help and a guide to you in your life. The Lord says so much to us in a few words. Just using a few words, we can learn quite a bit. So there's no place on earth to find out more about how to live than we will find in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom for people to guide their life, to learn how to live their life in wisdom. We're dealing with the right philosophy of life. Remember, it all begins with our theology of how we see God. Our philosophy comes from our theology. Because of what we believe to be true about God, how do we apply this to our life? The book of Proverbs is going to help us have that right philosophy, that right guidelines in our life. The wonder of a proverb is that so much could be packed into a few words. It's why Proverbs is such a wonderful book because it teaches so much in just a few words that you could really just learn so much. It's why we encourage people 
to read a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, one proverb for each day of the month. And you could just read it month after month over and over and still find wisdom and squeeze things out. You cannot outread it or outstudy. There's so much to learn from it. Our Lord desires that his children live right. That's the whole idea that God wants us to live right, have a testimony that's pleasing to him. This book is given for our wisdom and for our instruction so we can accomplish that goal, that purpose of living right. Remember, there are two ways to learn of the emptiness of the world. You could either by live down the horrible road yourself. How do I learn about the emptiness of life? Experience it for yourself. Find out the failures. Try to fulfill things from the world and then come up with a thing that it's empty. I'm just as miserable as I was before. Now I just have more skeletons in the closet, more consequences. Or the better way is to accept God's word concerning the matter. So instead of learning by your own experience, it's much better to learn from the mistakes of others and get the instructions and realize not to do it. For example... Some people say, well, how do you know you don't like it unless you tried it? All right, so go stick your head underneath the semi-truck. How do you know that you're not going to like it unless you try it? Well, wouldn't it be better just to take someone's word for it? You know, probably that's not the best idea to do. And avoid some of those consequences that can happen. That's what Proverbs does is it teaches us and gives us a guide so I don't have to experience the heartbreak and the emptiness for myself. It gives me wisdom. And the book of Proverbs covers every aspect of life. You want to know how to be a good spouse? Proverbs. You want to know how to be a good parent? Proverbs. You want to know how to be a good citizen? Proverbs. You want to know how to be a good neighbor? Proverbs. You want to be a good employee? Proverbs. You want to find out what the Bible says about work? Proverbs. How to... uh, to make a decision. Proverbs. What's the right decision to make? Proverbs. Every area of life is covered here. And you don't have to learn it by making your own mistakes. You can miss out on a lot of those mistakes by just reading Proverbs and allowing it to guide you. The book of Psalm 17 verse 14 says this. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the path of the destroyer. This is speaking about the word of God. That because of the word of God, I've been kept from the path of the destroyer. I don't have these consequences in my life and the horrible things following me because I paid attention to the words that God gave to me. Do you understand? This is a book that allows us to have practical application of our life, the wisdom. So what a man thinks determines his behavior. This is a true statement. Belief affects behavior. If you believe that you're invincible, you're going to behave like you're invincible. That's what older teenagers and younger 20-year-olds do, right? Think I'm invincible. I could do anything. I could drive as fast as I can. I could do all of these things, and there's going to be no consequences. Well, there is consequences. What a man thinks determines his behavior. If I think that I'm worthless then I'm going to behave like I'm worthless. If I think I'm the greatest, then I'm going to behave like the greatest. Your thinking affects behavior. So when we work with people, sometimes it's not just correcting behavior. We need to change our thinking. 
And the book of Proverbs can help change how we think so we behave properly. Getting into the book of Proverbs and allowing these Proverbs to get into our lives will help us to think right and help develop the mind of Christ, which is the goal of Christianity. Belief affects behavior. So we have to affect people's belief to affect their behavior. A proverb in Hebrew means to rule or to govern. That's very interesting that we call proverb just a uh, a lot of word, a lot of meaning in a few words, but the Hebrew word for proverb means to rule or to govern. Well, this actually applies very well because what we learn is that if we're going to live right, we learn to rule our, or govern things in our life correctly. For example, we learn to rule or govern our tongue and our lips. The Bible talks about that a lot of consequences in our life comes because of our words. We can understand that. Well, the Bible speaks about guarding our words and our lips, understanding how powerful of a tool that it is. We can learn to rule or govern our spirit. The Bible speaks about that in Proverbs, that if we don't have control over our own spirit, it's like having a city without walls. It's unguarded and the enemy can walk in and out without any hindrance. We have to have control over our spirit. We need to have rule or govern over our thoughts. We need to learn how to take every thought captive and not just let any thought roll in. This is how bitterness rolls up is that you keep thinking about how much you hate that person. It builds up in your mind to learn to control your thoughts. What about the spirit of fear? We need to learn to control our thoughts. You could learn how to control fear by learning to control and have govern rule over your thoughts. We need to have rule or govern our hearts. Do you know that your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked? Who could know it? Your heart can lie to you. And we need to learn how to have rule or govern over our hearts. We all know people who run their life by their hearts. This is what I feel like. Whether it's right or not, this is what they feel like. So that's what they're going to do. You have to learn how to rule and govern your heart so you don't make emotional decisions that are going to cost you later on. We need to have rule or govern over our work. There are a lot of people who know how to be busy. Very few people know how to work. And the Bible speaks about this, that we can learn about having rule or govern our work. So as we cover Proverbs because Proverbs is a poetical book, we have to understand how Proverbs work, how the book works, so that way we can get the most out of it. So let's kind of cover this idea, three keys to understanding the book of Proverbs. What are these three keys? Well, we have the key of contrast and comparison. The key of contrast and comparison. So in the book of Proverbs, this is something that's used very very, very often. The idea of contrast and comparison. It is usually between the wise and the foolish man that you could lighten things up. Remember, recently we did a message in Proverbs talking about Lady Folly. And we talked about the lady who, who 
the wise lady. And we did the comparison and it helped us to get an image of this. In the Bible, this is quite often that you get to see between the wise man and the foolish man. And to do a comparison, you go, oh, I see it clearly. Let's not do that. Then we have the key of imagery, meaning word pictures. Remember, when you think, you don't think in CNN tinker tape. You don't see like words scrolling across your mind. You think through words, in pictures. And so the Bible uses word pictures, something that we can see inside of our mind. It, it puts a relate. For example, the Bible says that confidence in an unfaithful man is like a tooth out of a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. Well, you get a picture of that. Have you ever had a broken tooth? Well, that's what it's like to put confidence in an unfaithful man. Oh man, I can, I can picture that. Oh, well, don't put confidence in an unfaithful man. Does it make sense? So he uses word pictures. There's a jewel of God in a swine snout. So it, don't cast your pearls before the swine, but this is an idea here. Can you see a pig? with beautiful diamond ring or diamond stud in its nose. What, what's the first thing the pig's going to do as soon as it sees mud? Absolutely. I mean, you could clean up the pig all you want. You could put jewelry and earrings and all kinds of things in it, but it's going to go in the mud. It doesn't matter how pretty you're going to look. You know, we could get that image. Vinegar to the teeth. If you don't know what that's like, go taste it and then you'll realize that's not a good thing to do. Smoke to the eyes. You ever stand by a campfire and then the smoke seems to always follow you that you move around and the wind blows. You get that smoke in your eyes and it's beginning to water. These are word pictures. You can picture this in your mind and able to understand what it's teaching as a comparison. An armed man on a sluggard. Meaning that if you got a guy with a gun versus a guy who's lazy, who's going to win? Well, you could kind of see that. You could get that picture in your mind. Who's going to get more accomplished? Who's going to get something done? Then inside of Proverbs, there's the key of personification, which we had kind of covered as an illustration earlier, to personify something, to make a concept have humanoid features, anthropomorphize it. For example, um, um, <laughs> I'll use my daughter once. She said, I have a favorite cup but don't tell uh, the rest of my cups. I don't want them to feel bad. <laughs> All right. Do the cups actually have feelings? No. But she's a putting emotions to it, personifying. Does that make sense? The Bible will often do that. Like we said, the personification of folly, the personification of wisdom. It's putting personality to a concept so we could better picture and understand that concept. Well, the book of Proverbs does that quite often. So this is to give identity to an inanimate object. For example, wisdom crieth out. We've had that message. Does the concept of wisdom actually cry? No. But in that personification we saw in that book that wisdom's everywhere saying, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. We could get that concept in our mind. There are about 26 personalities inside of Proverbs. But there are four main ones. What are the four main personalities? The wise man. 
Quite often, the Bible in the book of Proverbs will give the wise man, give him a personification. So you could say, oh, that's what it looks like when you follow wisdom. That's what he looks like. That's what he acts like. That's what the consequences, that's the life he gets to enjoy. Then there's the simple man. Remember the idea of a simple man is someone who just has no discernment, easily uh, led astray, uh, believes everyone, is very um, gullible. We understand that there's a lot of people that away and you're able to see him being led along. Oftentimes it puts the simple man with the seductress that she goes, oh, look how wonderful you are. Oh, come back with me. The good man is not home. Well, we know that he's heading into trouble, isn't he? But he's like, oh, she's pretty and she likes me. So I'm going to go follow her. And that's not a wise thing to do. You will see that simple man. Then there's the scorner. The scorner is someone who hates the things of God. You could see it on his face. You could see it in his countenance. And it sees how he responds and how he reacts. The scorner is brought up quite often. And then there's the fool. The fool. The Bible in Proverbs speaks a lot about the fool. In fact, later on, this summer, we're going to do the five types of fools found in Proverbs to understand how to identify and how to work with each of these types of fools. But the book of Proverbs makes quite an example of the fool and gives us a picture. Here's a man who's foolish. Remember, let's do a simple definition here. What is foolishness according to the Old Testament picture? It is uh, without regard to God, without thinking about God. There are people who make decisions all the time that are foolish decisions because their decisions don't factor in God. What does God think about this? How's God going to respond to this? That's a foolish decision. Well, a fool doesn't just make foolish decisions. They live their life without regard to God. I don't care what God says. I'm, I'm on my own. I, I can do whatever I want. Well, that's a fool. The fool has said in their heart, there is no God. They live their life without regard to God and there's going to be consequences. And the Bible puts a picture. This is what someone who lives their life without God look like, act like, consequences. You could see that, one of the personifications. Now let's go to the purpose. What is the purpose of Proverbs? Why do we have Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is to teach us the fear of the Lord and to give us wisdom for our daily lives. Remember, the Bible talks about that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is an emotional response we have because of an encounter of God. That the more I know God, the more of an emotional response I'm going to have to him, which carries the idea of respect. For example... Uh, in the South, we have a thing where we say yes, sir, no, sir. And people will say, well, you, can you stop saying yes, sir? And I said, I can't because my mama will come and slap me. Is my mom really going to come back and slap me? No. But, you know, there's a, a respect that I've developed that, that this is what she's taught me and I'm going to respect the rules. For example, there's some kids that say, man, if I did that, my parents are going to kill me. Are the parents literally going to kill the kids? No, but the parent, kids have developed a fear and respect that they know I can't disobey my parents this way. They're not going to respond properly. Well, the same thing with the Lord. The more that I get to know the Lord, the more I learn about him, there are certain things I'm not going to do in my life because I don't want to hurt my heavenly father. I have a fear of him. Plus, Proverbs gives us wisdom. 
practical application to how to live my daily life. The book of Proverbs is not a religious book, meaning that, well, it teaches us how to behave on Sundays. Proverbs teaches you how to behave on Mondays, Saturday nights, on Thursday afternoon, how to behave at school, how to behave at work, how to behave with my girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, kids. It teaches us every aspect of life and gives us wisdom. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here we have that comparison. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, no, that's not for me. They're going to despise wisdom and instruction and they're going to walk the wrong path. Proverbs 16, 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So because of my personal re emotional response, because of getting to know God personally, I'm going to say, no, I can't do that because I disappoint my God. Belief affects behavior. There are certain things I will not do now because I'm a Christian, because of who God is. I, there's things I will not do now. Let's cover the key word. You could almost guess the key word if you've been around here any time this year. Wisdom. Used 104 times. That's a lot. 104 times we have this word wisdom. And we need wisdom. We need wisdom for our daily lives. We better understand truth by comparing scripture with scripture. The book of James is often called the Proverbs of the New Testament, meaning that the book of James gives us how to live our lives in New Testament times through wisdom. It is a, the companion book. James gives us the greatest description for the content of Proverbs. So Proverbs gives us the instruction. Book of James gives us the practical application as Christians. How do I live my life through wisdom? So these two books go together quite well. Proverbs gives us all these maxim, all these sayings. James says this is how you live your life as a Christian because of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. I think it's supposed to be the book of James. Forgive me for that. Then we have the key word uh, dealing with it. The key is wisdom that is from above. We don't want just any wisdom. We want wisdom that comes from God. Then we come to the author, the author of the book. The author of this is Solomon. These are Solomon's Proverbs that make up most of this book. Remember, we had started in the book of um, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32 where it said Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. That's not 3,000 books. Those are each of the verses or the sayings that go together. We know that he was the wisest man who ever lived. So he might know a little bit about wisdom and he used this opportunity to teach this. 1 Kings 4.23 says that Solomon spoke 3,000 Proverbs. About 800 of those Proverbs are in the book of Proverbs. 800 of 3,000 are found in the book, as I said. He knew about every area of life. 
Solomon was a musician. Solomon was a poet. Solomon was a builder, which we'll cover next Wednesday. He was a philosopher. He was a king. He was a zoologist. You understand, when Solomon set his mind to it, he just didn't partially do it. He went all the way. He just didn't study plants. He became a botanist. He didn't study animals. He became a zoologist. He put his mind and heart in everything that he did. So he knew about every aspect of life. He knew what it was like to be an artist. We have today, as artists, people say, I'm an artist. I'm so misunderstood. Solomon knows you. He was a builder. He knew what it was to work. He knew what it was like. He liked science. He knew about entertainment. He knew about every aspect of life. The date of the book, for those who are interested in such things, most of the Proverbs were written before uh, 950 to 900 BC. Uh, Proverbs 1 through 24. They were likely collected together during Hezekiah's day. So Hezekiah put those, uh, some of the other verses together. And put them together. They were still Solomon's words. But he put them together and said you know what. We need to have these as part of our uh, the wisdom as well. All the Proverbs were brought in their current present form by Ezra. And so Ezra in his day became a great editor. He took these together and put them together in the form that we know them. The outline of the book. Alright so let's kind of get a quick outline of how the book of Proverbs is put together. Three main sections set by the words, the Proverbs of Solomon. So inside of Proverbs, you'll have this statement, the Proverbs of Solomon, and that gives a natural division to uh, the book of Proverbs. You have the prologue, the maximums, and then the epilogue, the conclusion of it. So let's kind of cover another breakdown of it. We have the combination of wisdom over folly. Proverbs 1 through 9 speaks about this. This division here talks about how wisdom is over folly. The, we're going to see the priority of wisdom. You don't have to write these down. Uh, you're going to see the progression of wisdom. What's going to happen in these verses is going to focus on the child or the home. So they're going to spend a lot of time talking about how children should be raised. The things that children need to know before they leave home. It's going to focus on the youth or friendship, by the way. That's why Proverbs is good for young people. Teaches you what good friends are like and what bad friends are like. Teaches you what to look forward to in a friend or a life's mate. And then it focuses on the man or the city later on. Then it talks about the product of wisdom. So when we have wisdom, what's going to be the end result? We have the benefits of wisdom, which is length of days, long life, peace, and favor and good understanding. Those are good benefits of wisdom. That when you apply wisdom, you can have a fulfilled life. Not just a life where you live long, but have those days filled and, and worth it living. Then there's the place of wisdom. Wisdom is to be used in every area of life. Then we have the praise of wisdom, chapter 8. The path of wisdom. In the first and last chapter of this section, you're going to find the phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It puts this emphasis, look for wisdom. Then in Proverbs 10 through 24, we're going to have the contrast of wisdom and folly. So you're going to have the comparison of lady wisdom and lady folly. You're going to note words like, but, 
Remember, you're going to have the comparison. Someone's, you're going to have a statement, then you're going to have the word but, and then it's going to give the opposite of so you can compare those two statements. You're going to have the word rather, once again, a comparison word. Better. Uh, Pastor Griesbach had, for our New Year services for several years, has talked about one of these better passages, that this is better than this. Then you're going to have the counsel of wisdom in the rest of the book of Proverbs. We're going to see folly is off the scene in these chapters here. You're going to concentrate more about relationships, relationships to kings, relationships to neighbors, relationships to enemies, relationships to yourself. Then it's going to speak about more about relationships of in relationships, relationships to fools, to sluggards, to gossips. Then we're going to see about the different areas of life in regard to important people. So in Proverbs 31, it speaks about this, that obedience brings blessing. And we're going to see wise leaders brought there, wise ladies, that we're going to talk about the the Proverbs 31 lady, the virtuous woman, that she's a good woman. She's a good wife. She's a good mother. She's a good neighbor. Those are the things that we should be aspiring and moving to for ladies. These verses in Proverbs is acrostic, by the way. Uh, acrostic means that you take a word or phrase and you bring it together. Uh, in this, once again, it's going to do the Hebrew alphabet. For those of you who remember Psalm 118, how many letters are in the Hebrew alphabet? 22. So these are going to be 22 verses, and each one of them are going to start with A, B, C in the Hebrew alphabet. So each, in Hebrew, each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Then the key verse is going to be Proverbs 1-7, which we made a big deal of. The uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then we finish up with Christ in the book. How do we see Jesus in the book of Proverbs? Let's apply this. In chapter 8, wisdom is personified. So the concept of wisdom is going to be personified as a person. This is a picture of Christ who is wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Proverbs 34. This is an interesting verse. Remember, Proverbs is Old Testament, but notice this in Proverbs 30, verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in his garment in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Who, if thou can tell. Now, for those of you reminded, in the Old Testament, that's before Jesus was robed in flesh. And yet in the book of Proverbs, it says, hey, not only who is God, but what's his son's name? They knew something about the son of God, even in the Old Testament. Jesus has personified his wisdom in the New Testament as well. We see that in the book of Mark, Mark 6, 2. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these sayings? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him 
that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand. There, those people were astonished with what Jesus was teaching, and they said, man, this guy has wisdom. Where did this wisdom come from? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Here he's called the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Colossians 2 uh, verses 2 to 3. That their hearts might be comforted, be knit together in love and into all riches to the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. For us as New Testament people, we can know directly where our wisdom comes from. It's Christ. And as you search out Christ, as you follow after Christ, you're going to find in Christ is going to be all of these treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are you looking for treasures? You could find it in Christ who has abundant treasures for you to find. Wisdom. When you follow after Christ, you're going to do what is right. When you keep your eyes on him, you're going to find yourself being avoided from those things that are wrong. We follow after Christ. So as we go through the book of Proverbs, we know that this is the book of wisdom. And we certainly need wisdom. Where do we get wisdom from? following after God, following after Christ. God has written down this wisdom for us so we can apply it to our hearts. Now, again, as we place a lot of emphasis is the greatest thing for us is just to keep our eyes on the Lord. How do we keep our eyes on the Lord, by the way? Well, that's his word. His word helps us. We need wisdom. And I'm so thankful that wisdom is available Maybe there's something that you have a decision to make. Maybe there's something in your path. I need to know which path to take. I need to know which decision to make. I need to know how to behave and how to react. I need to know what to do about this. The Bible has the answers and it has wisdom. Now you could always go to God and say, God, can you show me what the answers are? And then after you pray that, you take the Bible. You could take the book of Proverbs and start going through it. And God can give you those answers. He can give you that wisdom. Every aspect in every area of life he could cover. You have a teacher that's bonkers and out of their mind. What do I do with them? Go to Proverbs. I've got a boss who's unfair. What do I do with them? Go to Proverbs. I got a parent that just doesn't understand me. What do I do? Go to Proverbs. I need to know what to do with my life. Go to Proverbs. I need to know whether I should see this girl, date this girl, uh, marry this guy. Go to Proverbs. Go to Proverbs. I need to know how to work better. Go to Proverbs. I need to know anything that you want. God has given us those wisdom written down in a form that we could see and God could point out in our life that we can have the wisdom that we need. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.